Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket, the show where we get inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers to chat about what's working, what's not working, ultimately to defeat the common enemy, which is bad outcomes. Today, I have an outstanding guest. His name is Lou Auguste. Lou's the founder and CEO of AlexaPath. Augusta is an entrepreneur in residence at NYU's Tandon School of Engineering, as well as a Global Impact Fellow at Singularity U, and a graduate of Global Social Benefit Institute. And basically, AlexaPath was a winner of the ASME Award for Best Hardware Prototype and the USISTEF Award for Health Research in India. In 2010, after 10 years of freelance cameraman, Lou traveled from Haiti as a videographer for CNN. Two days after arriving, he put down the camera and began working to save lives. Thanks to investments from British Medical Journal and the UK Technology Strategy Board, Auguste was able to begin the research that led him to invent mobile whole slide imaging. That's just a brief intro into this pretty amazing gentleman. What I wanna do is, is just open up the microphone to Lou to maybe fill in any of the gaps that I may have missed in the intro. Lou, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Saul. Pleasure Absol- to be here. Absolutely. Now, maybe, uh, uh, Lou, if, if you can, I always like to start off the show by asking, why medicine? Why did you decide to get into the medical sector? Yeah, really for me, I grew up around hospitals. My father was a doctor, my mom was a nurse, so it was something that was always really close to me. I had thought about becoming a doctor out of college, but decided that really wasn't the course I wanted to take in life. So I ended up working in in media and entertainment for a number of years, and I was really happy. I I feel like I was doing well, and I was doing it full-time. And it was really going down to Haiti in 2010, just a few short days after the earthquake, that changed my perspective once again. And I realized that uh, I wanted to do something more impactful with my life. And I, I made a career change at that point, and I got involved in technology. And at first, I was doing technology projects that were kind of helping people. So I I created a remote control for blind people for the RNIB, which is the Royal National One. And uh, that's why I was living in in London. Then following that, I started working with Virgin Media and uh, had a contract with them to develop TV remote controls, which was sort of, it was uh, the bridge right there, you know, because I was still working in tech, but still still working in entertainment. And it was during that time that I I won some funding from the the UK government to start my research. It's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And after my contract ended with Virgin, I decided to give it a go full-time and become a a full-time entrepreneur. That's awesome, Lou. Medical space, yeah. You took the leap of faith, and it's really interesting how we have that calling in life, and we could try out different things, but somehow we always end up gravitating toward that calling. And and for you, it was the the experience in Haiti. What is it that you saw out there, or what is it that you experienced out there that made you get refocused and realigned with your purpose? Well, for me, it was I was working at the hospital. We were just doing camera work at the hospital. And they asked me to move this this child on a cot to another part of the hospital. And I was like, okay, I could do that. Yeah. And then I started doing that more. And then 
decided after a few days that like, well, you know, I was still, I was still sort of filming. And then I decided, well, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And then uh, I decided just to stay in Haiti. And I wow. ended up there for a year and a half. No kidding. You stayed there for a year and a half. Yeah. How long were you supposed to be there to begin with? About two weeks. Wow. For two weeks to a year and a half. Yeah. Wow. Outstanding. So you went from cameraman to mission worker pretty much pretty overnight. Much. Yeah. I, I ended up getting some jobs, some contract works for the U.S. government. I ended up working with USAID. And uh, it was during that time, I was working in Port-au-Prince at the time. And that's the, the capital city of Haiti. Okay. And it's quite a busy place. There's uh, the majority of the population live there. And after working there for about a year, I decided I wanted to get a little bit of fresh air. So mm -hmm. I went up north to go see uh, Cape Haitian, which is the second city. And just to give you an idea, Port-au-Prince has a population of almost 7 million people. Whereas Cape Haitian has a population of close to 300,000 people. Wow, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got your fresh air there, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely had a lot more space to move. And uh, I was working at this hospital and we had a woman come in and she was coming in for a biopsy and there was no lab tech or a specialist in order to make a diagnosis for her. I learned that they give the, the patients their biopsies in a small jar with instructions on how to get to the nearest laboratory. So there are two choices. They could either go to the Dominican Republic, which means they have to cross the border. Wow. Most Haitians can't do that. Or they can go back down to Port-au-Prince, which was roughly about six hours, six hours, seven hours by car. Wow. And uh, majority of people don't do this. So at that time, we learned that basically these patients were coming to the hospital, getting biopsied, given their spe specimens, and nothing was happening with them. And so this woman actually came back. So I started working at that hospital. I would go for a yearly mission there. And when she came back the next time, uh, she had a mass in her breast and it had grown so large that it actually mm. had ulcerated the skin. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh, that was just something that I was just really confused at as to why, why this happened. Yeah. A huge gap. Yeah. And so that's why we started, well, I, I talked to the doctors at the hospital. I said, well, what, what can I do for you? Because I was just really getting involved in tech then. And I was like, can we do something in terms of, can we build a website for you or something like that? Yeah. And, and they, that's what they said. They were like, well, if there was a way that we could share the specimens over the internet with uh, doctors in other parts of the world, huh. they can make a diagnosis and that would be really helpful. And so we did that. And the issue with that was that you could only take one picture of the, the specimen slide. Sure. And if you ever looked under a microscope, you know, you're, it's a very dynamic it's thing. It's a dynamic process, about. yeah. Yeah. So we started to look into, would there be a way that we could create a system that we could send whole slide images? So we looked into whole slide imaging devices, and the costs range from like 30000 for the cheapest to $150,000 for one that you find in the hospital. Wow. And it was really just not affordable in the hospital we were working at. And so we decided to go about making our own version. And uh, it's taken a lot more than $150,000 to get to this <laughs> point, as you can imagine. But I'm sure. I feel like we're creating a product that's going to be very affordable. We're looking to sell the product about $3,000. And uh, it has all the functionality of a whole slide imaging device. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing ride so far. Lou, I really want to thank you for sharing that story. You've been through 
through a lot in your journey and it was just this getting to the point where where you you found a gap and you just refused to say you know what this is acceptable you had the courage to act and to create and while it's not the easy button you know that deep down inside what you're doing is going to be what improves outcomes and so what we do in this healthcare system is really a, a reflection of what we're going to get and i really believe that as we look to improve access the work that you're doing is highly impactful and i'm really excited to see what what comes out of that yeah so now now we're looking at how we can implement ai into the system as well so we've sent a, a unit to the hospital in haiti that i was working at and it's a standard unit and so now they're able to share slides so you that. already have a working model a prototype yeah, yeah. Awesome. We've been working on this now for about three years. So we have uh, the commercial version ready. Uh, we're shipping our first units right now. Is that right? Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Are you shipping? Uh, is this FDA approved in the U.S. yet or not yet? Not yet. Okay. So That's right a process now, in itself. It is a process in itself. So right now we're, we're looking at mostly selling outside of the U.S. That's where the biggest demand is for, for sure. our product. For us, India is a massive market. And we're in the process of doing our self-certification for the CE mark. Yes. That'll allow us to sell through most of India, Europe. Latin uh, America, Africa, too. Latin America. That would be a great Caribbean. market for you. Yeah. So there, there's a lot going on there. A lot of our competitors are selling devices in the U.S. without going through FDA certification because at this point, there's, the jury's kind of still out on whether whole slide imaging will be used as a primary diagnostic tool. There's a lot of work going into that, but they still haven't allowed that in the US. And so it's gonna probably gonna be a bigger company like Aperio, one of those companies like that, who will move forward faster and be the first to, to market in the US. But that's okay with us. I mean, we're looking at really a price point that makes it attractive for smaller facilities, something that you could have on almost any laboratory. My vision is really to create a network that would you know, encompass all laboratories in the world, have something that would just be ubiquitous. We would just have it. And uh, we've done that by creating a web web platform as well for live sharing, creating that community, that network aspect, as well as the hardware for remote control of the slides. You have a lot of pieces feeding into this vision, Lou. And so if people wanted to learn more about what you're doing, what where could they visit? What's the website? It's www.alexapath.com. And that's A-L-E-X-A-P-A-T-H, Alexapath. Awesome. And so I'll be sure, Outcomes Rocket listeners, if you're listening to what Lou's up to and something sparks just a, a thought in your mind or triggers something in your heart to move or become part of what Lou's doing over there, be sure to, to learn more at Alexapath. And later here in the show, we'll be sure to have Lou share his contact info just in case you guys uh, want to connect. This is what it's all about, removing the barriers of really our, our industry and creating pathways to innovation and collaboration so we could improve outcomes. So Lou, what's a hot topic that you feel should be on every medical leader's agenda today? And how are you guys approaching to tackle that? Sure. I think access to healthcare for people that are poor, people that can't afford the healthcare that we take for granted, a lot of us. I think that's one of the biggest topics we're facing right now. For us, what we're looking at is in the entire world, when you look at it, we have a lot of improvements being made to combat poverty 
to combat communicable diseases. Because of that, people are living longer. There's also a lot of uptake of the vices that we consider part of our society. Smoking has become kind of prevalent almost everywhere in the world. More of a sedentary lifestyle is being developed. So what we're looking at is across the world in many communities, there just aren't enough diagnostic physicians or pathologists, people that can actually help improve their outcomes. And so we, we kind of believe that if we could diagnose people earlier, the chances of actually helping them is, is a lot greater. And so one of the causes that we work with a lot is cervical cancer. Okay. Cervical cancer, obviously, there's a very long time between contraction of HPV and full-blown cancer. You know, that could be almost 10 years in between that. And really almost any time that you could make a positive sort of, if you could change that, if you can make a diagnosis, if you can say, oh, there's precancerous lesions here, the surgery to repair that, it's quite inexpensive and it's, it's quite easy. So we're, we've been working in India to deploy our devices in low resource environments and to train health workers. These aren't doctors, these aren't physicians, these are just techs. Yeah. Uh, how to take the samples, how to feed the samples into our system. And then we use the advances that are being made in artificial intelligence to create what we call a diagnostic support tool. So one of the big things we look at is there isn't a very good internet. Wi-Fi isn't, isn't great. They're not able to upload a large amount of data. Yeah. So because of that, what we try to do is take the entire slide, have our, our diagnostic algorithm, view it, and then instead of sending the entire whole slide image, we're able to send 20, 30 fields that might have areas of interest, or regions of interest to the doctors to make diagnosis. So with this, we're, we're, we're keeping the pathologists in the loop, the ones that are working in the city, but we're opening up more patients to them, people that are living in rural areas, and we're creating jobs for health techs. And so it's, it's sort of a, a chain we're creating or an ecosystem where we think we can improve people's outcomes through that. It's outstanding, Lou. And what I love about your approach is that you hit a brick wall and like like limited internet and you just somehow, it's like, okay, here's another brick wall. Let me knock it down and figure out a way to just parse the information and then send little bits of it. You know how to knock the walls down. And I don't know, um, oftentimes in leadership positions, you know, the one you have, Lou, we don't get enough credit for the obstacles we overcome. So I want to give you kudos for what you've done and the obstacles that you're overcoming to help improve outcomes. This example of, you know, cervical cancer diagnostics in India is just an outstanding one. And, and if this resonates with anybody out there, it is resonating because it's impactful and catching it before it happens is key. So one of the things that I believe, Lou, is that we learn more about our failures and our setbacks than our successes. Can you share with the listeners an example of how you hit a setback and what you learned from it? Can you take us to that moment? Sure. There's a lot of setbacks that you that happen as, as an entrepreneur. I think the, the biggest one you always face is, is monetary, making sure that you have enough funds to, to keep your payroll going, things like that. And it's, it's always really difficult when you, you come to a month that's short and sort of working with the employees and working in that way. We've had to kind of overcome a lot because we're sort of a hardware company as well, mm -hmm. in the medical device space. It's not been the easiest task for us as a, a company that's based out of New York. And we have applied for many opportunities and we've, we've lost many grants. I actually, the other day, just sort of resonated with me. 
I was looking at this blog and it was by a, a professor and he created a resume of all the projects he lost over the course of his life. <laughs> and I think that speaks to almost anyone who works in this space. Right. You're going to have many more losses than you are going to have wins, but uh, you have to persevere through that and you have to listen to what people are telling you. And if you hear it more than once, then you have to make a change or you have to sort of figure out a way to address that issue. And so that's sort of the everyday of running the company. Lou, and this uh, monetary gap is, is something that everybody goes through, especially early stages of the business. I mean, if you, if you think to folks like even Elon Musk, he was on the brink of bankruptcy as he risked billions of his own money to keep his companies afloat. It's that ability to keep going for it and staying focused on the vision. I mean, today we have so many hospitals closing because of the same problem. And so what piece of advice would you share with our listeners that has helped you just to overcome these very common problems to get on the other side and keep going? Well, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, and this harkens back to a conversation I had with some of the guys at the BMJ, we were talking about why people don't get involved in medtech. And one of the biggest reasons why people don't get involved in medtech is they look at the regulatory requirements that they're going to have to face in order to bring a product to market. And it scares off a lot of people, first right. and foremost. But in life, you need to figure out a way around it. As one of my friends calls it, you need to figure out the cheat code. And I'm not saying nice. you should try <laughs> things that are risky or put people at risk. What I'm saying is there's a path of least regulatory requirement that you can follow in life. And oftentimes when we're creating products like the products I'm creating, we see that there's a, a large market in the U.S. We see that there's a large market in Canada. But we're not going to try to tackle those markets first because even to go through FDA certification process, you'd have to kind of lock in your device at that point. And we're still making changes to the device. So for us, what we've said is like, okay, we need to make sure that we can get devices into the market. We need to start getting feedback. We want to get users right away. And so a big part of that for us is figuring out how we can do that by avoiding FDA regulations. How can we do that by getting the CE mark, which is a little bit easier to, to attain? How can we do it in countries without regulatory controls where there's great demand and we set up programs that are you know, IRB approved? We're not trying to put people's lives at risk, but we're trying to test out new equipment to make sure it's going to work. That's excellent. And just, yeah, I like this idea of the cheat code. And it's just understanding that, hey, you know, there's there's certain boxes you could check to get through. And, and it's it's understanding where to start, understanding that, hey, you don't have to start in the U.S. You could start elsewhere and get that necessary feedback to get the flow of information, make the modifications and continue moving forward, making sales to keep afloat. That's awesome. So let's take the other side of the coin, Lou. You shared a difficulty. Can you share one of your proudest medical leadership experiences that you've had to date? Just to see it through with the hospital I was working at first, that's gotta be sort of you know, one of the best things. Last year, we were doing an experiment on breast cancer diagnosis and we had almost 100 patients that were able to receive diagnosis. And to create that ecosystem where they were able to get diagnosis was a really powerful thing in itself. To know that those are 100 or so people that probably wouldn't have had an option before that would have had to go somewhere else. And you build relationships that way on the ground. You work with other organizations that are doing this. And it's been great to sort of build those relationships, to find other people that are, are passionate about making positive changes or, or affecting outcomes in the developing world. And those, those are some of the greatest things. And 
every time we, we sort of build a new relationship, get a device out into the field, uh, start a new program, those are great, great times. Totally. And it's interesting that you say that. I, I'm a firm believer in that you're always one relationship away. Whatever your goals may be, you're always one relationship away. And if you're aligning yourself in the right ways, you're just one relationship away. You know, and these people that you met in the process are getting you one relationship away, if not already there, to the next step or in the next stage of your business. So here's a little fun part of the show as we get to the end, Lou. Let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course. It's what it takes to be successful in medicine today. It's the 101 or the ABCs of Lou Auguste. <laughs> and, so, and so what I'd like to do is just write out a brief syllabus. It's sort of a lightning round. It's four questions. And I'll get some quick answers to these questions. And then we'll finish it up with a book that you recommend to our listeners. You up for it? Okay, sure. Awesome. So what is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I would say that information is really going to help improve outcomes. So the more information that you can provide the doctor on the ground who's actually working with the patient, the physician who's taking care of the patient, the primary care physician, whoever that might be, uh, the better they're going to be. So for us, you know, we're very focused on laboratory results. And I think having that data uh, so people can treat the actual illness instead of just some physical symptoms that the patient is expressing is, is key. Love it. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid as you're achieving this? I feel that it's you can get mired down sometimes in the process. And whether that's taking on too many opportunities or whether it's working with people that aren't sharing your vision in the end, you kind of want to avoid that situation. And a lot of it is trusting your gut. You have to be assertive. You have to achieve what you want to achieve. You also have to give the people around you the opportunity to learn and to develop and to grow more. And sometimes that includes watching them fail around you. That's powerful. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, tech right now is moving in an amazing direction. And it's kind of amazing for me. Uh, sorry to use amazing twice, but <laughs> That's fine. Uh, just to be able to see this vision that I had a long time ago where I said, okay, first we want to build a way so that we could film slides. Second, we want to build a way to capture all the information on the slide. And third, we want to build a way that we can build an auto-diagnostic for slides. Right. So I knew this years ago without ever understanding how much it was going to cost or whatever. But as we were doing this, the prices of things just kept coming down. So IoT exploded, and then it became a lot easier to build IoT solutions. Now with uh, CNN's convolutional neural nets becoming more popular, and just so many students coming out of college that have a lot of expertise in this or they're ready to learn, it's just kind of the costs have come down. And so I think that's, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's luck, but I mean, it's just having a vision and sticking to that vision. And then hopefully all the pieces fall in line. Awesome. Yeah, that vision's huge. So what's one area of focus that should drive all else in your company? Yeah, I mean, I think the area of focus, it's, it's sad to say, but the area of focus should be getting money in the door. Health outcomes are important. And that's obviously why we do this. And that's kind of, we take that for granted. But the area of focus that we have is, is developing a customer base, getting more units out into the field, getting more feedback on the units. And I mean, that's how we can stay afloat as a company. And that's the most important thing. I love that, Lou. I, I recently had a, our, one of our guests, Scott Alexander. He works at Mercy Healthcare. He coined it really well. Without margin, there is no mission. 
There you go. And so <laughs> that's a really great one. So what book would you recommend to our listeners? I was reading a book on Scrum the other day, and I'm trying to remember the title of it. On, on what? Scrum. Okay. Uh, Scrum, I think it's Scrum the hard, hard Way, Scrum the Art of Doing. Can you uh, tell me a little bit of what Scrum is? I'm not sure what Scrum is. <laughs> oh, okay. Basically, we sort of, we're a tech company, yeah. and that's the way we, we sort of work. Uh, the, the name of the book is called Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time by okay. Josh Sutherland. And uh, basically, we, we sort of adopt an agile business method, and mm-hmm. that's how we work as, as a tech company. We sort of, our team gets together every day. We try to make sure that everyone knows what everyone else is doing on the team. We try to keep things moving in an agile manner. So if there's a change or something happens, we were able to move in that direction. When I first started working in tech, we were very much using the waterfall method. But with the waterfall method, we create an approach where these are the, the tasks we want to accomplish and we go one by one and knock off all those tasks. With Scrum, we were able to sort of, we do our sprints, we have our tasks that we want to do, but we're able to move in a way where if we want to change something, we make that change. And a lot of that is we keep on the team, people in, in all disciplines. We don't hire out for share graphic design. We, we have that in-house, and so we're able to make changes very quickly. And is Scrum an acronym for something? I don't think so. I, okay. I think it's just the name for the meeting that we have every day. Got it. Scrum, Scrum yeah. the art of doing more work in less time. And it was Josh. What was uh, the last name? It's Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time by Jeff Sutherland. All right. And what we'll do here, Outcomes Rocket listeners, is we'll provide the resources that Lou shared with us. And just at the bottom of the notes in our website, if you go to outcomesrocket.com and in the search bar, type in Lou Auguste, and you'll be able to find all the notes that we discussed today in addition to his top four to thrive in healthcare. So Lou, before we conclude, I just want to open up the mic to you one more time. Have you share a closing thought and the best place where the Outcomes Rocket listeners can get a hold of you? Best way to reach me is, is just my email. It's lou at alexapath.com. And you can reach me there anytime you want. I think the future is, is really interesting. Right now, we're, we're really focused on how we can work with these larger companies. So we're working with Qualcomm right now to integrate their chips into our devices. That's going to allow us to do things, more things on the device. And I think that's the key. We're going to create a system that all these things, the diagnostic tools, you're not going to need a separate computer or anything like that. It's going to be an all-in-one system that you can deploy anywhere in the field. And it's going to work just as well in hospitals in America as it is in hospitals in the developing world. Fantastic. Yeah, aiming for that standardization. And and Lou, I I just got to say a huge thanks to you. It's been such a pleasure to to speak with you, hearing your stories and what you guys are doing at AlexaPath to improve outcomes. Just wanted to say a a big thank you to you for, for being on the show. I know that this discussion will most likely... Um, create a uh, just a spark of, of inspiration for the healthcare leaders out there to maybe collaborate with you or alongside you to really improve healthcare outcomes. So just want to say a big thanks for being on the show. Cool. Thank you, Saul. Very nice to be here. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.